Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Amen and amen. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. I want to share a verse of scripture with you in Colossians chapter 1. Verses 9 through 12. Let's read the word of the Lord together, starting at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped doing what? Praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may have a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Father, thank you. For this awesome evening and the joy we have of being together. I thank you, Lord, that you have quickened to us tonight to have a family night for your purposes and plans. I thank you for all that you're doing through our children's ministry every Wednesday night. All the things you're doing through our youth ministry, we stand in awe of it. But Lord, we're just so excited we get to be together tonight. I pray that there'll be a special anointing upon me and upon this house. Come on, people, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Everyone, lift your voice and let's pray. Spirit of God, come. May the word that you've given me to give to your people resonate in every heart. And may tonight when we leave, we leave changed by your power. And Lord, I thank you for it and I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. There's been many people that have said a phrase like this, I would like to pray better. And I found something about prayer. Prayer is better caught than taught. That means you learn how to pray by praying. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be taught. There's many things we need to be taught in growing in the realm of prayer. And we can learn a lot from Scripture as to how to pray. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you read Scripture, you learn that prayer is very, 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 everybody say very, important. Jesus defined his house as a house of prayer. And if there's anything we should learn as Christians, it's how to pray. I read a billboard one day driving, uh, this was years ago, And we don't have billboards on Maui, but on the mainland they do. And here's what it said. It said, a family that prays together stays together. How many ever saw that billboard? Nobody. Three people, four in the whole place. Well, you know, prayer is such an important part of having a strong family. And it's... It's an, aspect, it's an aspect of how God draws us close to himself and by so doing that, draws us into unity. I know as a boy growing up in my home that <clears throat> prayer was a vital part of everything we did. We prayed over every meal and, and at the end of the day, I can recall dad coming into our room 
my, myself and my three brothers. And he would always tell a Bible story and he'd pray for each one of us. And he would always ask us to pray, especially at meals. We'd all, somebody different would pray at every meal. And depending how hungry they were is how fast they prayed or how slow they prayed. But we learned how to pray out loud. And I found what was interesting to me is I didn't have a problem praying out loud until I got married. It wasn't that I didn't pray out loud. I can pray out loud. Anybody can just talk, you know. But one of the things I found is that prayer is such an intimate thing that at times there's a, there's, there's, there's a need to allow it to begin to be able to be something that is fresh within a family so that one can express their needs. And I found myself, I could pray in prayer meetings and my wife and I would pray together. That was not a problem. But the freedom to really pray together. I could pray individually. And over the years, God's allowed us to have this intimacy in prayer where we can pray about everything now. And pray out loud together, and it's like being at a prayer meeting here at the church, except it's my wife and I. And you can't imagine how powerful that is. And I've thought about it. What if a whole family had the ability to pray like that? Where every child could pray that which was on their heart. Every young person could express their needs in prayer. And families would pray together like that. Now, you say, boy, could that ever happen? Well, let me just suggest to you that it's possible. It really is. But it has to start somewhere. And my hope tonight is that it'll start tonight. You'll notice, for example, that prayer is the means by which God operates in the world. You see, he works through people that fit a criteria for answered prayer. You say, I don't understand what you mean. God has a standard by which he listens to someone pray. Just because somebody's talking doesn't mean God's listening. You say, well, what's the criteria? What's the standard on how God will listen when I pray? Well, let me give you just a few verses. One is John 3.21. And here's what it says. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him Anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. Now take a look at what this says. It says, if our hearts do not condemn us. It was interesting, as I came into the service, I had a conversation with one of my pastors, a long distance call before, uh, before church tonight, and you know, there were things that were said, nothing nasty or anything like that. It's just that I said some things that I thought, you know, I shouldn't have had to say that. That wasn't edifying. That wasn't encouraging. And I was standing here saying, man, if I put the same judgment of what I said on myself as what I put on somebody else, I'd be in trouble. So I turned to my wife and I said, honey, you got to pray for me. And I confessed to her what I said. It wasn't nasty. It wasn't bad in that sense. But for me, I felt like that wasn't something I needed to have even said. So I had to have her lay hands on me while you guys were praying so that I could get up here and preach because I want to have God to move. 
And sometimes we're not even sensitive to the words that we say. We say dumb things to each other. We say dumb things to our kids and dumb things to our spouse. And we think God's okay with it. He's not okay with it. There's a criteria for answered prayer. It's how you treat each other. And in my casual way, I wasn't saying something nasty. It's just that I, it wasn't encouraging. It wasn't something I needed to have said. And the Lord convicted me of it. And this is what John is saying. He's saying, look, if our hearts do not condemn us, well, my heart condemned us, so I had to get rid of that right away, or I wouldn't be able to preach to you tonight. Smile at me. I'm being transparent with you. Now, you need to be transparent with your family. You say dumb things, you do dumb things, please. Get forgiven. I'm going to have to call that pastor on the phone and say, look, I'm so sorry. You know, they're having church already, so I just have to call them and say, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't even need to say anything. That was the dumbest thing I've done. You say, you're Pastor Morocco. You don't do dumb things. We all do dumb things. If your heart does not condemn you, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Now listen, we get anything we ask if we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. Some of you get mad at God because He doesn't answer your prayer. He's already told us in His Word who He's going to answer. Are you doing everything that pleases him? Or you don't even know what pleases him? And you couldn't care less. And then you expect God to answer your prayer? Something's wrong with that picture. Are you obeying him? Well, pastor, I'm in church. I'm obeying him. I'm obeying the word. Do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves. I congratulate you. I'm glad you're here. Otherwise, I wouldn't have anybody to preach to. But how about in other areas? And if there's any, you know, listen, this is not a condemning thing. It's just saying, look, we all want answered prayer, so let's, let's fit the criteria. Here's the second criteria. And of course, you need to believe on the Lord and you need to love one another. But then John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. Now listen, think about that. Is what I'm praying something that he yearns to want to have accomplished through me? You say, well, I don't even know how I can pray his will. I don't even know his will. Oh, wait a minute, you do. His Bible, this Bible is his will. I ask for wisdom. Why? Because God said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So I know if I pray for wisdom, he's going to give it to me. I can pray for healing because he said by... By his stripes, we were healed. I can, I can pray for finances because he said very clearly in his word, he had opened the windows of heaven and poured out blessings too big for us to contain it for tithers. I mean, his word is very clear about his will. I can pray for the harvest. I can pray for unsaved loved ones because his will is that none should perish but all come to repentance. Does that make sense? So we can pray in his will. And we can pray in such a way because we're doing his will. We're living his will. 
But then there's a third thing. It's not only that we pray according to his will, but here's the third thing. Are you ready? It's found in Matthew 7, 7. And that is, asking it will be given you, seeking you will find, knocking it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Here's the point. We have not, James writes, because we ask not. You're not going to have answered to prayer if you're not even asking God. Now, let me ask you a question. As a family, how much time do you take to pray together? If you added the whole day up, and you had three meals, and sometimes, of course, you're at work, so you have breakfast, maybe dinner, you maybe have just a few minutes. Uh, do you have any time before the kids go to bed for them to pray with you? Is there, you know, in other words, you say, no, wait a minute, Pastor, I'm not that spiritual. Now, let's stop here for a moment. None of us, quote unquote, are that spiritual. We're all fallen human beings that desperately need God, but we can start a process by which we become more and more like our Lord. And one of those things is being conscious that prayer is an important part of our lives. How is your child learning to pray? How is your child becoming a prayer warrior? Did you know that we have some children in this church that pray and believe for healing and believe for provision, and they pray even better than their parents pray? Did you know in the great revival that happened here in the 1830s, 1835, 36 is when it began, and it went on for three or four years up into the 40s, 1840s? One of the key ingredients of that revival was children praying. They would gather without any adult around and gather in the cane fields, and they would seek God, and you could hear them. You could hear them a long distance away. Those children would pray passionately. You don't think God heard the cry of those kids? Yeah, he did. And he touched their parents and a great revival sweep these islands. I long for seeing that in my lifetime. That's why I've been here in the islands for close to 45 years. It's because I long to see what others have seen. And by God's grace, if we will pray, we will see it. There's so many verses about asking. I could go on for hours. You can write some of these verses down. Like John 15, 16, John 14, 13, and 14, John 16, 23, and 24. I can just go on forever. Ask. And you will receive that your joy may be complete. Goes on and on. Jesus talks a lot about the importance of you asking. You know, I've come to the point in my prayer life that I ask a lot. You say, well, why do you do that? Because I realize there are so many great needs. Did you know there's times where the Lord will lay you on my heart? I mean, people... In this church, you'll say, pray for them. I'll begin to pray for you. You say, well, why would God do that? Because sometimes he knows that some of the things you're facing is bigger than you can handle. So he gets you some help. 
That's why that early morning prayer meeting is so important because you set the pattern for your day at that early morning prayer meeting and you pray. You'll notice as we look at this particular text, it tells us two things about the Apostle Paul, Paul's prayer life. Here's the first thing you'll notice. How he prayed. Now think about how it says, look at verse 9, if you will. It tells us how he prayed. We have not stopped praying for you. He prayed ongoingly. He prayed ongoing. He didn't pray just one time for them. He prayed on and on. You need to pray on and on for your children. My parents prayed for me. They're probably in heaven now asking Jesus to intervene for their son. They're probably grabbing a hold of his robe and saying, look, Jesus, uh, 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 my son needs your help. They prayed for me every day of my life. And because they prayed, I'm here tonight. There were a number of occasions where I'd be dead, fell off a cliff, had whooping cough and measles as a baby. Doctor said he's going to die. I can go on and on and on. The only reason I'm here is because there was a mom and dad who prayed for me every day of my life. Please give your children, give your family the benefit of who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. And children, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. Don't say you're not spiritual enough. Your prayers can be heard even more than your parents, if you'll pray. If you'll talk to God and be sincere and you live for Him. He prayed ongoingly, not just one time. Secondly, he prayed specifically. Look at how he prayed here. It's interesting. He prays that In this case, God would fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom. He's praying they'll know the will of God. Listen, parents, probably more than anything else, you need to know the will of God. So kids, pray for your parents. They'll know the will of God. And parents, pray for your kids. They need to know the will of God. They're going to make big decisions in their life. There's going to be huge temptations that will come their way when you're not even around. Some jerk will try to use them for their own pleasure. Are you hearing me? And they have to know the will of God and understand it. You need to pray for them. One decision that somebody makes can affect their whole life. Somebody tempts them to take a drug. They have no idea that that drug is going to destroy their whole life. You need to pray the same prayer Paul prayed for them. Fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom. And then you'll notice why he prayed. Look at why he prayed in verse 10. So that they would live a life worthy of the Lord. In other words, they would represent the Lord before the world. And that they would please the Lord in every way. Look at what it says there in verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. And, and, and you'll notice here, this is, this is amazing. 
that through the power of the, they would be strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit, having great endurance and patience. Wow. If there's anything we need in our lives today, it's endurance and patience. Now that is not by accident he told us to pray like that. Because we need endurance in a world that's wanting to destroy us. And we need patience to continue to love when we don't want to love. And finally, he prays in verse 12, joyfully giving thanks. Joyfully giving thanks. That, Lord, you would, you would do something in my life that I would please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, God. Oh, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, give me great endurance and patience. And Lord, may I rejoice in your goodness and thank you. And may I be joyful in life. I was listening to a, a story being read on our radio station of a group of people. Um, they, were, <clears throat> they were a group of people that influenced a man by the name of Wesley. They were brothers, John and Charles Wesley. And these, these individuals came from Germany and they were traveling to the New World. Uh, they were coming from the New World back to their world. And they were so full of God that in spite of storm and in spite of all the problems, they would praise the Lord. It affected John Wesley tremendously. So much so that he came to know the Lord as his Savior. Even though he had gone to the United, it wasn't United States then, this was the 1700s. He'd gone to the colonies to, to share about Jesus. But he was sharing about somebody he didn't know. He found them through these individuals. Can you imagine what it would be like that in the midst of all of this pandemic, there would be a group of people on Maui that were joyful. And they'd go, who in the world are these people? Oh, those are the folk that go to KC. Can you imagine the impact of that? Don't let the enemy rob you joy. Well, that brings me then to looking at Paul's prayer life and defining his prayer life. And I want to talk about his prayer life in a particular way to pray that I've learned to pray, and I've been doing it for many years. I wish I could tell you that I learned this because I'm so brilliant, but it's not. This was about 34 years ago. I was in Seoul, Korea, probably at the greatest praying church on the planet. Dr. Cho's church growth conference, which I was a board member of, and people from all over the world would come. It's a church of a million people. I've stood on the stage where a million people gathered for prayer at Yoida Plaza. You couldn't see one end from the other. You looked this way, all you saw was people. You saw people that way. They gathered and they spent two or three hours in that plaza outside praying. 
You can hardly get a group of people in America to pray 15 minutes, let alone pray three hours outside, praying at the top of their lungs, a million of them. And one day he got up and he talked about a pattern of prayer that he used. In fact, about, oh, I think it must have been about 14, 15 years ago, I happened to share this way to pray. I don't hear anybody praying this way, so I figured I probably ought to share it again. It's called ripple prayer. Everybody say ripple prayer. Now you say, Pastor, what in the world is that? If you take a stone and you throw it into a lake, where that stone lands in the lake, there's a splash, right? And if you look closely, there's ripples coming off of that place where that stone landed. Well, it's the same way with ripple prayer. And that is, you'll notice how Paul prays in his prayer life. For example, the Apostle Paul had an ever-widening focus of his prayers. For example, he had people he was close to that he prayed for. 2 Timothy 1.3 Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. He's talking about Timothy. He's talking about someone who he saw as a son in the Lord. He says the same thing about Philemon, who was a, uh, a wealthy man who Paul would stay with. And he was going through a unique time. And he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. So the ripple prayer starts with those who are close to you. So when I do a ripple prayer, I'll start with my wife. She's the first one I pray for. And then I pray for my children. And then I pray for my grandchildren. Then I pray for my brothers. And then I pray for their families. And, and that, that's the way I pray. Now, I, I, I will do that on my own prayer time because we don't do that at the prayer meeting in the mornings. We pray the Lord's Prayer in those meetings. This is a ripple prayer. And so then you move from there. Then you begin to pray in other areas like Paul did. For example, he prayed for the churches in Romans 1.9 that he says, without, uh, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayer. He's writing to the Roman church. He says the same thing to the Ephesian church. I also cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. To the Colossian church for this reason. Since the day um, I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. To the Thessalonian church, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Wow! That's caused me to begin to start to think I need to pray more for my extension churches. You'll notice, for example, he prays for government leaders. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, he says, I urge, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. Now, listen to why he says you need to pray for your government leaders. He says that we may live peaceful and quiet and in all goodness. Amen? He's saying, if you don't pray for your leaders, your government is going to freak out. 
And there's going to be strife and problems. We probably need to pray more for our leaders. Well, I didn't get too much of an amen out of that, but that's okay. You'll, know, you'll notice that a second thing that you'll find here is not only that the Apostle Pile had a widening focus of prayer, but he prayed in a consistent manner. He, he prayed, he, he didn't stop praying, he, he would pray consistently. What I've noticed for many people is they'll, they'll go through a time of crisis and they'll really take time to pray. But then when the crisis is over, they stop praying. Now everybody listen to me. You don't want your pastor to pray, God, give them trouble so they'll pray more. You wouldn't want me to do that, would you? You say, Pastor, would you pray that way? If you're not going to pray, I am going to pray that way for you. Because if that's the only time you're going to pray, if it's the only time you as a family are going to get together when you're having problems, then it looks like I'm going to start praying that way. Now, you don't want that. I don't want that. I want you to enjoy life. But listen to me, please. You've got to be consistent. You have to be consistent. It shouldn't be, well, whenever I get around to it, I got news for it. You'll never get around to praying. You say, well, why is that? Because the devil doesn't want you to pray. He's afraid of, it, of you when you pray. When you pray and you're praying in the standard that God has called you to pray, you are releasing the power of God to defeat him. So be consistent. Fourthly, thirdly, pray with intention of seeing God's will accomplished in each life and in every situation. That's why Paul said that he was going to pray asking that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. Now listen to me. You may not know the will of God for your children, and children, you may not know the will of God for your parents, but you can pray as Paul prayed, God, give them knowledge of your will. There are times in my life where I have to make a decision, and it's not easy to do, because I don't know the future. You know, it's easy to, if you're looking back at something, it's easy to say, boy, I wish I would have done that. But when you're going through something, you don't know the future. And some of the greatest moments of my life have been the times where the Lord helped me to make the right decision at the right time, and I look back at it. Let me give you one example. And you may have heard this story before, but it was absolutely profound in my life. We were in the skating rink at the time, and I, had, I, I got a telephone call. We didn't have the skating rink on the market, but I got a call from a, a company, a large company on the mainland that wanted to buy the skating rink. We owned the skating rink. And they said, I'd like, we'd like to buy the skating rink. Well, I said, well, wow, this must be God. So I said, well, okay, we'll negotiate. So I flew to Honolulu, sat down with the lawyers, and, and this vice president flew in from the mainland, and I was negotiating. And I said, now look, if we sell this to you, and you decide not to take it, you're going to lose 
$50,000 because I want a $50,000 non-refundable uh, deposit. And the vice president said, no way. Well, what had happened, we as a board had chosen that because I knew something. If, if it didn't go through, we'd go bankrupt because people aren't going to give if they think you sold the place. And we'd be bankrupt. So I said, that's, that's, that's a non-negotiable. Well, he got all upset. Next day, he flies to Maui. He says, I'd like to meet you over there at the skating rink. So I will go over there. And he said, look, we really want to buy this thing. I said, look, it is non-negotiable. If you don't put a $50,000 non, you know, a $50,000 deposit, and that if you don't go through with this deal, we get that money, there's no deal. Well, he gets so angry, gets in the car, slams the car door, screeches the car out of the parking lot. And I'm, and I'm standing there going, oh God, did I blow it. Well, I didn't blow it. It was God that had us make that demand. Because here's what happened. When he screeched out of the place, they had this, they'd already made a negotiated deal with the owners of the building. We had bought the lease of the building, but we didn't own the building. And so the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, why don't you ask for the same deal those the owners of the building were going to give to them? So I called the lawyer on the phone and I said, hey, you made a deal with these guys. Can you give us the same deal? They gave us the same deal. We ended up raising the money to buy the building rather than just own the lease. Somebody say hallelujah. Everything financially changed for us. And then, now get this, three months after... I said, no, we're not going to sell it to you, our lease. I get a call from the same guy who said to me, well, you know, when I got back, the company thought, ah, we don't want that building. They would have strung us out, we would have gone bankrupt, and they would have got that building for nothing. Now, here's what did happen, because God gave me the right decision. A couple years go by, and we had already negotiated to buy this land, and uh, we had put in the deal with A and B, and A and B said you have one year to do all the improvements, the off-site improvements, so you can get a subdivision. If you don't get it in a year, the property will not be sold to you. I didn't have any money. I needed 300 and, what was it, Pastor Allen? 300 and what? 330,000 or something? $335,000 in the bank to do the offset. I didn't have a dime. And you didn't have any money to give. <laughs> you weren't even there. <laughs> and our whole congregation was, you know, we just, we didn't have that kind of money. So what do you do? We're coming down to the date when that's, oh, and I had no money. And I think it was about, what, a week? A week or two before that final date, Yeah, 309,000 cash bond in the bank. We had to have that. Now, here's the thing. I get a knock on my door. And it's, it's two developers that were working together. They said, we'd like to buy your building. Well, of course, we own it now. And we negotiated a deal. We paid off all of our debt that we owed. 
And we had left over the exact amount of money we needed to put in the bank so we could buy this property. It was the right moment at the right time. God will do that for you. Well, I thought you'd have a bigger amen than that. I mean, God will do that for you. But you, oh, I got to hurry. But you've got to, listen, you've got to pray for wisdom. And children, pray for your parents that they'll make right decisions. And, and parents, pray for your children the same way. Are you still with me here tonight? Well, that brings me then to the final part of this. We can pray the ripple prayer. Look at the relationships in your life, your immediate family, start with them, your extended family, other people, people you said you'd pray for, pray for government leaders, church leaders. Be sure you include me in your prayer. (laughs) Amen. And set a time each day to pray. Paul prayed in the morning and in the evening. You could do the same. And continue to cover them in prayer. Be like my mom and dad was for me. Be that for your children. And then finally, pray specifically. Everybody say, pray specifically. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to know how to pray for your children. You know, this morning, I, uh, I've been doing this lately. I call my children long distance. I wasn't able to get all of them, all three of them, but I did get two of them. And I pray for them over the phone. I'm more and more conscious that as we come into a time of great evil, that the church must raise up the banner of prayer and every family must do the same. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Please stand. If your family is nearby you, I want you to bring them close. Kids, come on down, be with your family. If you're up in the balconies and your family's here, if not, I understand. Uh, But please come close. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to do this with me. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud, individually. Go around the group and each one in the family pray. Now, you may not have your family here. But I'm going to ask you to pray the ripple prayer for others. Pray for your parents, your wife, your, your spouse, your husband, your children, your grandchildren. You say, well, I don't, I don't have any of those. My parents are gone. I'm not married. Then pray for the people you work with. Pray for your neighbors. Pray, are you hearing me? Do the ripple prayer. Would you join me right now? Pastor Colleen, come on up. We'll pray for our kids and I'm going to pray out loud, and I won't have my microphone on, so you're not going to have the benefit of me screaming at you. You're going to pray, and we're going to lift the roof off because you're going to pray out loud. Say, well, I've never prayed out loud before. You can talk, can't you? And if you can't talk, do sign language. That's fine with me. God hears you. But pray, please. If you cannot pray, you are limiting the power of God from working through your life. Are you hearing me? Please, please, pray out loud. Don't be embarrassed. Start with one of you. If, you're, if the father of the, of the family, start with him. Then go on around. Each one pray. And if you're by yourself, just pray and you pray out loud. Everyone, let's pray right now. Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray. Pray right out loud. Come on.
Hallelujah. Lord, may there be a tidal wave of revival that sweeps our island as your people pray the ripple prayer. May that stone dropped in that lake, may it be like a prayer that has tremendous power and causes waves that will affect whole families, affect whole neighborhoods. Oh God, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, Lord, do it. Intervene on our behalf, oh God. Touch your people. Touch them, Lord, touch them. Touch them, Lord, touch them. Touch them, Lord, touch them. I thank you, Lord. 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 I thank you. I want all the men. I want to pray for you, men. Just lift your hands just a moment. You're going to be a man of God. You'll lead. Father, I thank you for these men. May they rise up and be men of God, men after your heart, men that will serve you with all that they are, unashamed, unashamed to share their heart with their family. And they'll be men of prayer. They'll lift up holy hands as you've asked us to do. Ladies, lift your hands. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for all the ladies in this house. Lord, you gave him a heart of deep emotion. You gave him a heart to feel things in the spirit. Lord, use them mightily and powerfully as they pray. All the young people, lift your hand. Children, youth, let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all these young people. They'll be There'll be individuals that will truly pray and shape the destiny of their family and their own lives. I pray for that. I pray for that, God. I thank you for it. With every head bowed, everyone praying, there may be someone here tonight who's never really honestly given their heart to Jesus. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.